Gut Check Project fans and KBMD Health family, how are you doing today? It's your host, Eric Rieger, soon to be joined by my co-host, Dr. Kenneth Brown. This is episode number 56, and if you've heard 54 and 55, which we've gotten plenty of email about, thank you for all of that, uh, you know that 56 is kind of the culmination here. So we're talking about issues around erectile dysfunction and more or less kind of the catalyst that cause it as it pertains to inflammation and systemic disease and certainly virus infections. So that being said, uh, go ahead and and, uh, dive in here to 56. I think that there's a lot of hope here. There's a lot of things that people can actively do to stave off some of these manifestations because that's what erectile dysfunction is. It's a a signal that something else is happening. So uh, without further ado, let's get to our sponsors. Of course, there is Autron Teal. Get your daily polyphenols at Autron Teal. Go to lovemytummy.com. Again, that's lovemytummy.com. Use slash KBMD and uh, get your daily polyphenols today. Developed by my co-host, Dr. Kenneth Brown, Autron Teal is chock full of polyphenols. Does not matter if you have gut issues, if you suffer from IBS or related symptoms, or you're just a, a an active athlete and you want to optimize your daily health so that you can be your best. You need polyphenols. There's no way around it. So Autron Teal, go to lovemytummy.com slash KBMD. Do you like great tasting food? Unrefined Bakery. Go to unrefinedbakery.com because it does not matter if you have a specialty diet or not. Unrefined Bakery can make things available to you that maybe you thought were now impossible because you are celiac or because you're paleo or because you're keto. No, they have cracked the code using all natural ingredients. Go to unrefinedbakery.com. Get yourself some bread. Get some tasty, tasty bread, knowing that you're both celiac and paleo. You can do it there, and uh, it's going to taste great. So unrefinedbakery.com. Use code GUTCHECK and save 20% off of your very first order. They deliver to all of the lower 48 states, even though they're based here in the DFW Metroplex of North Texas. So unrefinedbakery.com. Last but not least, kbmdhealth.com. kbmdhealth.com is the home of the Gut Check Project. That's where Dr. Kenneth Brown makes available his own CBD, as well as broccoli and Atron Teal. So check out kbmdhealth.com. Use code GCP and save 20% off of any order at any time. Okay, without wasting any more of your time, let's get to episode number 56. Gut Check Project fans and KBMD Health family. I hope you're having a great day. It's me, Eric Rieger, here with the awesome co-host, Dr. Kenneth Brown. It's episode 56, a continuation of 54 and 55. So, Dr. Brown, why don't you uh, kind of set the stage for us? Yeah, so this is part three of what we didn't really realize it would turn into a part three series. Right. That um, part one of this particular series, so episode 54 was that I was seeing so many patients that were coming in and because of the job that I have, being a physician, a gastroenterologist, they're willing to talk about certain things. Very young men that had never had issues were showing up with erectile dysfunction months, like 
eight months after having COVID, and they wanted to know if there was a correlation. Well, because of that, I started looking in, into things, and then we actually did find that there's some studies going on with this. And so it's going to be much bigger than what people think. We're just a little ahead of the curve on this. So episode 54 was about how it's doing it. Episode 55 is a natural ways to try and protect yourself. And episode 56 is a continuation of that. As it turns out, there's tons of science on this. And if you just look and you know where to look and you have access to people that can get these articles, it's fascinating. Fascinating because what we're talking about is not just erectile health. We're talking about overall health. Every one of these topics that affect, well, if something affects your penis, it's probably affecting other parts of your body. Yeah. Uh, if, if that were to happen, it would probably affect your mentation, your mood, your drive to do a lot of things. So, yeah, it definitely it's everything is universal. Everything that seems local is really universal and yeah. vice versa. Yeah. So, so we're going to go over some really cool stuff today. So just briefly, personal, Eric, anything cool going on in your life? Man, we're still remodeling. Kids are fine. Uh, Marie's on a she took a trip to Montana. She's on a uh, they, they were hired. Her social media conglomerate that she built is uh, up in Montana uh, filming awesome stuff that probably looks different than a GI suite. I kind of wish I was looking at it. That's awesome. Uh, for me, <clears throat> same stuff. Well, um, remodeling, no big deal. O only issue is, is that with some countries and some states having different COVID stuff, my kids want to start traveling more, but oh. you don't know if that particular country... Uh, is going to cancel the tournament, and I'm trying to rearrange my schedule to go and book flights. It's just it's so annoying. And what a privilege to say that, though. What a not, I mean, honestly, a privilege to say it's annoying that I'm trying to plan a, a trip, although albeit extremely important for my kids. We're in a position here in Texas where most of the economy has opened up. Oh, yeah. You know, there's still places where everything's shut down. So if you're a restaurant owner in New York or California, it's still super difficult. And I'm kind of complaining about the fact that I can't book a trip because I don't know if that country's going to, you know, do some uh, blocking of. We didn't talk about this today, but before you walked into the room with one, we had a uh, patient from uh, Canada, or originally from Canada, still has a sister who lives there. And uh, she was sharing with us that they are still, I'm, you, it's almost like um, textile blue laws up there every day. So you can't go into a Walmart and shop on the side what of does textile blue laws mean uh so then in the old days and i think even up in new jersey unless it's changed it may still be the same on sunday you can't buy certain textiles really I, yeah it's just a blue law i mean i don't i don't know i don't i don't want to talk out of turn there but uh back in uh, when i was really really young you couldn't uh couldn't go into a mall and shop at like a dillard's what? It was closed on sunday so yeah, I, I we don't do that anymore. No, honestly. we don't because that's like the like the only time I'd be willing to go to a mall like really early. On I'm Sunday, never willing like to go to a mall, <laughs> but but the that, only oh really Mother's Day anniversaries? Come on, yeah, you're going I, to malls then, aren't you? No, no one in my household likes going to malls. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but what was interesting is she said that in in the Walmart, for instance, is kind of a universal way to to break it down that they have. Uh, blocked off or quarantined off anything that's not food related. So you, you go into the store and you'll see everything roped off. You cannot go over there to make a purchase or anything like that. Huh. And it's, it, that was in Ontario, Canada. So I don't know if that's universal for the entire country. She just knew what her sister was relaying. And so, and if you're watching this, this is recorded 
May 19th, 2021. It's starkly different here in Texas where our governor released here recently that we're at the, at the low and everything's pretty wide open. It's pretty wide open. Masks are no longer required. They're suggested. And I don't think we're seeing a big bump. I talked to the doctors at my no. hospital and they're like, no, we're not seeing a big bump with COVID. No. Um, and, I, and of course, I live in a more rural setting than you do. And as far as what people say is wide open, quite frankly, 10, 10 miles west of me is... I think has been wide open since a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love it. It's just, it's fascinating because we're going to look back at these things. We're going to look back at our first COVID episodes. Oh, yeah. We were with everybody else. Where, sure. But I felt like we were looking at the data ahead of the data that was being discussed on national news and Fauci and all these other people because shockingly, we were pretty spot on the whole time. And I think, I hope that people, when they walk away from this podcast, can realize that. This is not a politically motivated or really, I think that a lot of the things that we come to, we, we don't know what the answer is going to be or are certainly open to the, we're going to change our mind. I think in a moment, you're going to ask me a little bit about CBDs, kind of the heads up he gave me, but I'm not really sure where we're going. But years ago, you and I both had doubts if it did anything. And now I would say that we were open enough to try and you've got to be able, I think, to be intellectually honest with yourself when you have something new or information to make sure that you're receiving it and you're evaluating it and not just putting up a wall because it disagrees with where you are currently. 100%. I mean, I think that that is when you talk about the cognitive dissonance or because your views are different than mine, I'm going to shut you off before you're... We did a whole episode on anger or agreement and how much of your brain gets occupied when you disagree with somebody and you're trying to combat it. Because you, one of the things I notice, in fact, I noticed this with this podcast, because I heard um, I heard Joe Rogan talk about it. You know, Joe's learned to be a really good listener. I mean, one of the flaws of what we do here is that I have all this science. I want to make sure that we get through in a timely fashion. And sometimes when we're talking, and we can have like great conversation I'm kind of looking at my notes going, okay, well, we need to make sure that we cover this because this is this was on my agenda. Sure. I'm listening to you, and now I just realize that I do that, and I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work on listening. As his most recent guest said, we teach in school um, reading, writing, oh, arithmetic, yeah. and speaking. But no English, listening. But no listening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly a younger version of me definitely could have – been a much better listener. And I think it's active. I mean, I, and I'm not even trying to be funny. It just, uh, as I've grown older, I've learned that listening is a skill, uh, listening to someone tell their story. And even though, uh, you feel like you have a story that relates to them, if they're really airing out something, don't try to match their story, just listen to them. And that's, that's, I mean, quite honestly, that's been difficult for me growing up because you feel like that you're building a common bond. Oh, that happened to you. This happened to me. But you can see where that goes when you're really young. It turns into a one-upsmanship. And then eventually you're like, well, I don't want to tell them anything. They're just going to tell me what they did was 10 times better than what I did. Uh, yeah, I'm really, <laughs> really guilty of this. As pointed out, when on my 50th birthday, met Junior and Brian, and um, it was it, the running joke was, me storytelling. It's just like, oh, he went 10 minutes without talking. Impossible. <laughs> Make sure he's... <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to work on that from now on. Hey, man, but it, the, the greatest thing is it's not that you did or didn't do it in the past. It's And everybody can do it. And it doesn't have to be about storytelling. It's uh, what is it, who do I want to be, and how do I get there, and what things can I improve to make it easier? 
And as we always do on the show, all these things are mental improvements that people do. But so many times, people have health hindrances, or oh, yeah. they have pain, or they're not sleeping well, where that is the least of their concerns. Definitely. You know, I mean, I try and uh, control my diet. I try and meditate. I try and do some breathing exercises on a daily basis, but it's because I have the luxury of not having severe health issues that yeah. that is not the primary concern. Right. Because I went for about two months, as we discussed last time, where my primary health concern was my severe neck pain, and that just shut everything down. And the only thing that I could really wrap my brain around was, okay, you need to figure out how to not panic. Right. And by practicing those things leading up to this, when that happened, I felt like it kind of helped me get over the acute phase of it, and now I'm into this kind of new aspect of now we're rehabbing. So, And I don't want to derail, but it, I, I, analogies are just something that I've always liked, um, and we've you and I both build on these throughout every single episode. We find an analogy, but something that was real life that occurred, I can remember being young, and we were complaining in elementary school. It was it was something really silly. It had to do with participa- uh, participation uh, and how you could earn to be the first one out at PE or something like this. And um, there was someone in our class who I didn't feel like, and several of us didn't feel like had earned the right to do it. And then quietly, our teacher pulled us aside and said, this is the best thing that's happened to her because she doesn't have a home like what do you have. And I started oh, thinking, man, yeah. oh, I was wanting to get to PE first. She just wanted a place to sleep. And and when you're young, that kind of context is important because, I mean, yeah, it was kind of shoved in our face, but it, it shows you that your, I don't know, I don't know how to put it, the immediacy of what you think that you need or want. Sometimes somebody else may need or want that same thing, but at the same time, they don't even have, you said, your health so that you could do the exercises to feel good. Sometimes you don't have the base things that allow you to oh. compete or just do whatever. It's just different. Oh, let's talk about, I mean, generosity feeds right there. 100%. I mean, generosity feeds. Ron Klebundy feeds kids that normally only eat at school. Those are the only meals that they get. When they go home on Friday, they don't eat until Monday. Monday, yeah. And recognizing that need and spending his life to correct that one Small niche is just amazing to me. 100%. Yeah. And Shout out to Ron Clebundy yeah, and a, Generosity Feeds. Yeah. And we're, uh, we're avid sponsors and have been for the last couple of years. And I'm just so blessed to have met people like that that inspire me to be a better person. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to derail, but uh, anyway, that just it popped in my mind because, yeah. you know, you got to, that's what this, that's, that's what I think that we're talking about, though. How do you get to the point where you can make better decisions for who you want to be and, how you want to be there. And a lot of that comes from take care of your, of your physical health and it will allow you to do that. Yeah. That, and, you know, be open-minded that the, maybe your initial ideas as you grow and experience them. What if, what make, if you can't be open-minded because your physical health is bad? I that's mean, one of them. That's um, today was, today was an open-minded le- uh, lesson. I came across, you and I were, were scoping today and I came across an article which I thought was entertaining. Mm-hmm. And then you became academic on me, which then now I'm like, 
Oh, I just want to gloss over it right now. <laughs> so basically, um, as 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 a fellow, there's a, you know you go to residency and then you go to fellowship. So you do three years of residency, three years of fellowship, depending on what you do. And it became a running joke between all these people that I basically did. I don't want to even want to compare it, but as we've discussed before. When you rush or you go through basic training or you do residency, mm -hmm. you get very close to these people because you all have this common bond. Of, oh, yeah. You're kind of getting beat down a little bit. But and, you're doing it together. But you're doing it together. Yeah. So in residency, I had friends that became cardiologists, nephrologists. I'm a gastroenterologist. And it, there would always be this running joke about who has the smartest organ. Silly, nerdy arguments is the kidney <laughs> smarter than the gi tract and so on and i would always go well the anus is the smartest thing it could actually determine can your organ determine the consistency between a gas liquid or solid no other organ can do that no so i've always said the anus is smartest and i was going to joke around about how a new study just came out that basically makes my system the winner and <laughs> It starts with, it, I, I kid you not, it's a bunch of news sites that have come out citing a um, scientific study out of Japan saying how mammals, mice and pigs at least, have the capability of breathing. They said breathing through their butts was the title. Mm. I had to stop and look at it, and it was an Associated Press article or a BBC or a New York Times. They're all jumping on this because it's a bit of clickbait. And you and I were talking about it today, and I said, yeah, basically the rectum or the distal rectum absorbs is anything that's put in there so readily that this, these scientists figured out that they could hyper-oxygenate the rectum while not allowing the animal to breathe, and the animal stayed alive and corrected its hypoxia. And then you started asking all these scientific questions, as an anesthesiologist should, I, I didn't know. I was just curious if, it, if oxygen going in is a very, very important part of the process, but at the same time, what's the vehicle or the means for the waste gas, CO2, and other things to be blown off? Because as CO2 builds up, you become more acidotic, and that's where organ systems can, you know, and you know this as a gastroenterologist, they can fail. So if they become too acidotic, then that becomes a problem. However, it turns into... I think that that question, we were like, wait, this isn't just a joke topic. This is something that... Uh, yeah, so I came in with a joke. I was going to make fun of it. And then you started <laughs> asking me questions. So then I had to do the thing that we do. And I tracked down the original article. And it, it's thick. And it's beautiful. Yeah. And these, these scientists should not be made a joke of, which is what they're be, what's being done. I guess any press is better than no press. But it's quite elegant. And... I would like to discuss this in the future where you walk through this article as a, a expert in the acid-base physiology due to your anesthesia training into how you can oxygenate. But it is kind of an interesting phenomenon where maybe we could use something like this instead of making fun of it and look at that and say, look, in certain situations, maybe some form of rectal oxygenation, 100%. as you and I talk about, because... We're really into rectal delivery of other things. Sure. So, which, which honestly, decades or centuries ago would have been odd to think that you can actually give a medicine through the rectum. That doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. So, someone did it and they demonstrated that it works. So, obviously, they may be getting made fun of today, but who knows if somebody has an injured lung 
maybe this is a way that you can help someone who's in distress. I mean, I can't imagine anyone's going to do it voluntarily. Oh, I know. I mean, like, I mean, who knows? 50 years from maybe now? Maybe they will. 50 years from now, you may walk into a, a hospital code scene where the patient's crashing, and it's just like, we need mouth to butt right now. Yeah, I won't work this there. I will not work there. <laughs> I've been called things where maybe people have thought that I must breathe through my anus, <laughs> but uh, no. Anyway, so, I, that'll be so a good that is so that is a good example of just being. I, I I came here to make fun of it, and then you started questioning the science, and I went, "You're right." Whoa! So we'll talk about that some other time. But <laughs> I changed my mind. I'm I am accepting that I should not hang on to certain ideas because our knowledge changes, our experience change and if we as everyone should not just completely hang on to idea because the idea is not you it's just an idea yeah uh, that's that's a really good point and i would also add that if in 10 years uh i have all of the same beliefs and whatever that i do today then i've not grown i've learned nothing that's a muhammad ali quote oh is it really yeah it really is who is he He's he's a boxer. <laughs> yeah. No, I think he was actually quoted as saying, um, "Do you feel like you're the same man now than you were?" Whatever. And they were mm-hmm. they were kind of implying that, you know, you're you're 40 and it was 30. And his response was, "If I'm the same man I was then, then I just wasted 10 years." Oh yeah. Oh, I've heard that. Yeah, but yeah. that I'm, I'm sure that's subconsciously in there somewhere. But no, I I, I feel that way because I'm not the same person that I was 10 years ago. Or goodness, 20 year old me. Probably not. He and I wouldn't be friends. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so what's up? All right. So let's get into some other cool stuff. We're going to, you know, this is the part three. It's There's a little bit of science here, but it all makes sense. And I want, if you're listening to this, when I keep talking about the different aspects of either erectile dysfunction or the CNS or the endocannabinoid system, picture how it works everywhere it's not selective that's the key to this people are not putting this together they're not realizing that you can take control of your health in a natural way yeah and it's not conjecture it's based on science so that's what this is okay so to recap in part one erectile dysfunction we showed that inflammatory damage from covid actually causes erectile dysfunction by affecting the endothelial cells, which is the lining of the blood vessels. Part two was how effective polyphenols are in working as a potent antioxidant and blocking inflammatory pathways, which ultimately increases nitric oxide Mm -hmm. and also activating the CERT-1 pathway. So... After we got done with that episode, okay. you and I went to the next room and you started asking me all these questions about nitric oxide. Yeah, I did because you had uh, you had initiated something I didn't I didn't know and I don't even know that I fully understand it, but that nitric oxide can exist in different forms just as the compound itself. So as it is, it's like shit, I didn't have the answer. And yeah. so I'm like, oh my gosh, now I got to go down this, this, you have to lay the foundation to be able to understand everything else. Yeah. And, and just to add, you had, you had labeled nitric oxide of, uh, and essentially it, it, like there was neuronal nitric oxide, um, 
God, I've already forgotten the other two that you. Well, I'll go through them right okay. now for you. Yeah. Don't even worry about it because I think that's what that is the really cool thing. So when people talk about nitric oxide, one of the things that I have heard before and in our adaptive or in our innate immune lecture, mm-hmm. we talked about how nitric oxide can actually be a pro-inflammatant. And so meaning it can cause inflammation. So now I figured some stuff out. To make nitric oxide, there has to be an enzyme called nitric oxide synthase. These are a family of enzymes that catalyze, or what they do is they're the thing that makes the reaction happen to produce nitric oxide from an amino acid called L-arginine. So nitric oxide is a cellular signaling molecule, and it helps modulate tons of stuff, like vascular tone, insulin secretion, airway tone, peristalsis, which is gut movement, and it's involved in angiogenesis, which is blood vessel growth. In addition to that, neuronal development, meaning your neurons, and shockingly, I did not know this, it works as a neurotransmitter as well. So basically, we're talking the whole body. It does unique things in unique places. So as Eric was mentioning, there's three main types. There's inducible nitric oxide, INOS. So INOS is a pro-inflammatory nitric oxide synthase enzyme. So what it does is it helps in acute insults. So if you get infected by a virus, infected by a bacteria, your INOS will go up. And during an acute infection, it helps get rid of everything there. I just want to clarify, you're saying that's the enzyme, not nitric oxide. INOS is the enzyme. Yes and no. So as it turns out, Ah, an imbalance of nitric oxide will result in oxidation. But we're going to get into this. Okay. And this is where it gets really neat. Sorry. The INOS has a specific role in making sure that there's an inflammatory process that happens. Okay. So I'm just saying that. Nitric oxide so synthase. So if you're out there buying supplements and you're like, oh, man, this increases nitric oxide, you want to know, yeah, how? Is it yeah. arginine? Is it the substrate? Yeah. Because if you're somebody with chronic inflammation, tons of inflammation that's going on, and you start feeding yourself arginine, theoretically, you could be feeding your INOS because, like an acute infection with a bacteria or virus, mm-hmm. you want this to happen because you want to squash that. But... If you have chronic inflammatory cytokines going on, mm-hmm. it will actually induce more INOS. So in other words, if you're chronically inflamed, yeah. taking arginine could be fueling the fire that's doing it. So if you have chronic inflammation, INOS has been, been associated with creating more of the inflammatory cascade, which results in more INOS, which results in a vicious circle. Ultimately, INOS is been implicated in being very high in autoimmune disease, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, multiple sclerosis, and even strokes. So when we talk about nitric oxide, it is all about the balance and about where it's happening. And Angie sent me a really cool article um, explaining specifically about how certain cytokines will induce INOS, but that's irrelevant. Bottom line is, if you are chronically inflamed and your INOS is using this against you so it's using your fuel against you you have to stop the chronic inflammation first that makes sense though because the the probably the most notable activity of nitric oxide on its surface regardless of where it comes from is vasodilation and a key part or key component of an inflammatory process just like carrying away anything else is recruitment recruitment of, of cytokines or whatever 
needs to be. So it makes it makes sense. Yeah, that that actually makes sense, and that was surprising to me because I did not know about this until I started researching for this. The second type that we talked about on the second episode is endothelial nitric oxide (ENOS). This is found in the lining of blood vessels. This aids in tissue repair, regeneration, and the key here is it enhances blood flow. And I did not know this. It dissolves plaques. Mm. And it will dilate the blood vessel. Yeah. So we talked about this during the polyphenol episode. And it does this um, by several different ways. But it dramatically activates endothelial, uh, uh, endothelial nitric oxide synthase, ENOS. And so that's one of the ways it does it. And another really simple way to do it is to have uh, is to go exercise. When you exercise, you release enos, and that's what allows for the blood vessel dilation and everything. Okay. I bring up the plaques because as we sit there and talk about um, if you have coronary artery disease and you're put on Plavix and things like that, mm-hmm. nobody's discussing this. No. How do you turn on your enos? It gets rid of plaques, increase the blood vessels. It's doing what these pharmacologic agents are hoping to do without the side effects of a, of a cerebral bleed or these different issues. Interesting. Just something to think about. It's If you can turn on the enzyme which does this, then and you can do it through exercise and or through various things. We're going to get into all of them. Oh, something just popped in my head. Is it okay if I say it? Of course. We've talked uh, previously, probably a year and a half ago, about uh, different diet uh, intervals, fasting and intermittent fasting, and how those have been shown, especially like uh, water fasting for over 72 hours, I think it is, can uh, demonstrate or they've shown that you can, I think Walter Longo talked about you could uh, initiate the decrease in plaques and stuff like that. I mean, is that related, do you think? To Enos activity. I absolutely think that there is something about that. I think that there's some other components to it. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Dr. William Davis discussed how, as a cardiothoracic surgeon or cardiologist, I don't remember what he is, but he said that he's taken people that had 90% plaques and put them on a five day fast uh-huh. and then redid their angiogram. A- angiogram, yeah. And it was clean. So there is something to this. So if you're <laughs> going to do this and if you have fast, you turn on, I mean, I'm speculating now, if you turn on your stem cells and you increase the enos, you're going to, you need something to clear the plaques, yeah. dilate the blood vessels so you don't cause a clot. Think about that. It dilates, and if you've got plaques there, it shifts them off, and it's in a big pipe so it doesn't stick. Yeah. If those plaques shear off into what we discussed in the last episode where it creates the bumps and oh, it gets yeah. hung up. It's the thumb over the hose thing. It's the thumb over the hose. It'll just block it. So, ENOS, very important. Interesting. Now, you and I are always about the brain. So now let's talk about neuronal nitric oxide, NNOS. This acts on the brain and the nervous system. It enhances the ability of the brain and nervous system to adapt to change and enhance the communication between neurons and to recover from insult. So NNOS modulates neuronal function through release of neurotransmitters. When you said earlier, is it the nitric oxide, Mm -hmm. they have actually proven that NNOS can do things directly. Okay. INOS can do things directly. ENOS can do things directly, independent of nitric oxide. Wow, okay. And they get turned on for different reasons. So this has been shown to be involved in long-term prevention of depression and improved memory formation. 
So when you have NNOS going on, and it's also part of the neuroplasticity and regeneration. I'm a big fan of the Huberman podcast, and he, <laughs> his, whole, his whole theme is neuroplasticity. And this guy hasn't even talked about this yet. <laughs> <laughs> Talks about everything else. But I'm like, come on, man, start talking some N-Nos. <laughs> so if you, if you know him or whatever, just yell, you know, you're not even talking N-Nos, man. You're just scratching the surface. But um, you could say it like that also. All right, so here's the part that we were confused by. Okay. So... Your question to me was, I don't get how nitric oxide functions differently in different places. And I just stared at you blankly after our episode. Not, you know, to clarify, not just as a molecule unless it's being contained or specifically only released at a certain time. But that, that, was, that was our discussion. Yes. So as it turns out, nitric oxide is nitric oxide. Okay. So it's not like there's different nitric oxides that we know of right now. Okay. Um, but the different nitric oxide synthases cause different responses. So first would be the amount of nitric oxide. If yeah. you produce too much and you can't clear it, it becomes a pro-inflammatory. So it'll, it'll oxidize, right? It'll oxidize. Now, okay. That's the first thing. And the second, that each type of these enzymes can actually have a direct effect on the cells in the local area. So like in the case of INOS, it can actually increase oxidative stress through superoxide production. Or NNOS can have direct neurotransmitter capabilities. So a lot of science just there. It's all brand new, make, but that, that brings some clarity, though. It brings some clarity, which, which will bring clarity to all these other studies I'm going to bring up, and we're going to go through really quickly. And by all, I just mean a few, but it, it reiterates that what we're talking about and what you can do for your health is based on science. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Okay. So, while I was figuring out all this nitric oxide stuff, this is actually where this went down a rabbit hole, um, I kept finding studies that they kept discussing the endocannabinoid system mm. and nitric oxide. And I ended up going down some rabbit holes and discovered some studies on how cannabidiol, CBD, and the endocannabinoid system is involved in this whole process and ultimately how it relates to erectile dysfunction. Because if you're like, if this is part three of erectile dysfunction, I haven't heard anything about that yet. Yeah, well, if it's, is it a, were we talking about as part of an inflammatory process? Check. Check. And does the ECS uh, have a problem with, with uh, too much inflammatory process? Yes. Yes, sir, it does. All right, so ECS, endocannabinoid system. Eric, can you just recap what it is? Oh, uh, endocannabinoid system, we have it all throughout our entire body. Uh it basically is the cop that strikes the balance between reacting to something but not overreacting. Uh, let's see here. You got uh, you got some some uh, cannabin. Or I'm sorry, I'm going to say the wrong. The neurotransmitters that we have, or the uh, cannabinoids, endogenous cannabinoids. Endogenous cannabinoids. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know I was tripping over my own words, but um, so you've got an andamide and two AG. Yeah. Those are the two main ones, and then to augment that activity, you can take exogenous, which means you consume it. Uh, cannabinoids, uh, THC and CBD, but CBD being the one that we legally use to attenuate or lessen issues of inflammatory process. Uh, Absolutely. By right. increasing your own endocannabinoids and probably a little bit of direct stimulation as the science becomes more, but yeah, yeah right. see it's So in, in like everything in the body, you know, neurotransmitters are consumed by enzymes. And so what CBD they think does, it doesn't necessarily replace Anandamide, for instance, but I think what it does or it can do is it will uh, 
stop some of the hyperactivity of the enzyme that gobbles up anandamide. Correct. So I, I think that's pretty much what you want to I say. I think that's exactly what I want to hear. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. All right, so knowing that, the endocannabinoid system, if you've not read about that or if you've heard some things about CBD, the, it's shocking how much science there is on all of this and how nobody really talks about this. And it so, changes. And it changes. And it changes when scientists do stuff. But let's talk about this. All right. So I found some really cool stuff going okay. on these, down this rabbit hole. Right. First thing, we're going to talk about three studies briefly out of the same university in Egypt because I think that they knocked over the first domino and went, well, what happens when this happens? What happens when this happens? Mm -hmm. And it's actually really cool because it applies to humans directly. So the key to all these studies is how the nitric oxide synthase pathway was regulated. And it's regulated independent of the cholinergic pathway, which in the episode 54, we went into great detail about. Yeah. So in other words, it's another way to stimulate nitric oxide synthase. These guys figured this out. Okay, so the first paper that they published looked at how the CB1 receptor interacts with ENOS, endothelial nitric oxide synthase. They were able to show that the how the effect by increasing anandamide, the endocannabinoid that Eric just talked about, caused relaxation in the corpus cavernosum. Mm. Corpus cavernosum are the spongy, blood-filled vessels in your penis that allows for an erection. It was not through, through acetylcholine, which is how every other urology book describes erection. Yeah. Not one medical book that I've come across actually talks about CB1 doing this. So this is fascinating about this. So, and it is doing this by actually increasing ENOS, the endothelial nitric oxide synthase. So by stimulating CB1 through anandamide, they could actually show an increase of the ENOS. And this resulted in increased corpus cavernosum blood flow. That's impressive for a lot of different reasons. Uh, number one, that no one's really glommed on to it or captured it. It's understandable that while you were in training that it hadn't been discussed at all because I don't think that the the idea that an ECS existed until the 90s. So that that's okay. And so now you've got to figure out where all these functions are. But what I, what I found already in what you said is a change in science and really changing the way that I'm approaching it is I thought that for the most part CB1s were in the CNS or just the you know the brain and, and spinal cord. That's a really good point. Yeah, because we've always been taught that the C, that CB1 is. Or no, I'm sorry, we haven't been taught. In the most recent books that have been published, they discuss yeah. how CB1 is more related to the neurologic aspects. Yeah. These guys are showing that nah, it's in your penis also. Yeah, don't uh, don't even forget about that. <laughs> Just thought of sometimes what we get accused of thinking with. Anyway. Oh, I got a study for that also. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. So then the same group said, well, wait a minute. We've just discovered something really cool. So they said, well, what happens in disease? So they took some rats and they gave them cirrhosis. I'm not really, I didn't really get into the details. Whenever I get into the, you know, like the methods of the study. Okay. So I picture a bunch of really cool rats hanging out at a bar for hours on end. They're like, hey, man. We're just tossing them back, you know. And they're like, we got this great lab gig, and they didn't know that they're that they were causing cirrhosis. I think it was done in a in, in a very different way, but I, I don't think but I imagine that. it that way. Yeah, I don't, that, you can imagine it that way. I'm gonna imagine it that way. <laughs> so what they did is they caused cirrhosis in rats, and then they were able to demonstrate 
um, enhanced relaxation of the corpus cavernosum, those spongy tissues. In other words, they showed increased blood flow when the CB1 system was activated, once again, using anandamide. Then they wanted to have the cause and effect, and what they did is they blocked the CB1 receptor, and there was nothing happened. Well, so, that, this, yeah. so it was definitely related to the endocannabinoid system, not some other weird thing that we haven't figured out. This is the cause and effect of this receptor stimulation. So the unique thing about this is, even in a disease state like cirrhosis, it helped these little rats have erections. erections. Yeah, which is interesting because they're talking about cirrhosis. And do you remember the episode that we actually debunked how the FDA came out and said that CBD causes cirrhosis? Oh, yeah. I recall that. And it was completely erroneous. Yeah, it's completely erroneous, and it didn't make any sense at all. But anyways, we got one of those episodes. I don't even know what episode it was, but we actually talked about that. And there, this is an example of, look, this is a way to take a certain disease, which generally has severe erectile dysfunction. And they're like, no, if you stimulate this... Looks like you can overcome it in a different way. So that's cirrhosis. But you're like, ah, only a small percentage of drunken rats get cirrhosis. <laughs> it's, it's very small percentage. But, un unfortunately, that's not true either. <laughs> um, but there's a, there's a much higher percentage of donut-loving rats that have diabetes. <laughs> yeah. So um, they got so excited after that first study that they did a third study where they looked at the endocannabinoid system in diabetic rats. Okay. Then they showed on this study that the first thing is once they made the, the rats diabetic, their baseline endothelial nitric oxide synthase, ENOS, mm -hmm. was lower than all the non-diabetic rats. Think about that for a moment. Okay. By having diabetes, your <clears throat> ENOS is lower. In other words, your ability to produce nitric oxide becomes less. Yeah, and and all of the ramifications that you talked about, what ENOS actually does vascular, you're you're losing that ability. You're losing it. It's not just in your penis. You're losing it everywhere. And nobody's yeah. talking about that aspect, which is why don't we focus on something to increase the ENOS? Hmm. All right. So by adding anandamide directly, they showed increased vascular activity in the corpus callosum and increased nitric oxide consistent proportionally to the increase in nitric oxide synthase, or ENOS. Okay. Now, this part is really cool. When they added arginine, L-arginine, uh -huh. which is a substrate, right. to make nitric oxide, it synergistically went up. Makes sense. So if you have a proper diet, diet yeah. and you are have a balanced endocannabinoid system, even if you have diabetes, your ability to have an erection is should go up based on these animal studies. And, you know, we're not making any claims here. I'm just saying, based on these studies, it's super interesting to talk about. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's fascinating. I mean, and let's let's call it what it is. It, the, the, the meds that have been approved to treat erectile dysfunction, they essentially, they got here. Uh, we talked about the five different ways or the five different things that have to happen for an erection to occur. Essentially, what Viagra's doing is it's stopping the phosphodiesterase from breaking down. So this is what... That, that was a valid mechanism to address. This is yet another, in my opinion, valid mechanism to address. Yeah, so Viagra doesn't work until you've actually formed the nitric oxide. Right. So once you form it, you can have a longer sustained erection due to not breaking down the nitric oxide. Man, you got to get it started someplace. 
Well, one great way to do it, it looks like, is to make sure that you have a balanced endocannabinoid system. Yeah, no, it, it makes sense, and I've never heard that before until I, it, right now. All of this is all of this is new to me. I've got to be totally honest, and it was all sparked off of you asking a question. I don't really get the whole why it can act differently, and then this led to these things. Thank goodness, and that's what I love about hanging out with you is that you ask questions. <laughs> yeah, you got to. I mean, there's times where you and I've been there, and you're just like, "Why is the sky blue? Why is why do my feet?" feel so heavy and i just have to look up everything <laughs> yeah yeah why well, <laughs> i can't even come up with something ridiculous but yeah <laughs> all right so then um here's another interesting study by a totally different group they were looking at it in a more indirect way so your response of which head is actually responsible for the sexual function mm-hmm. these guys took some of this information and i bring this up because this is looking at the end neuronal, the end NOS process or the neuronal nitric oxide okay. synthase. They looked at how the endocannabinoid system helps improve neuronal end NOS. And in prior studies, it was shown that anandamide helps not only form end NOS, but it also works to drive the nitric oxide into neuronal cells. So wow. anandamide goes, hey, NOS, we need some more nitric oxide. They produce it. Anandamide grabs it, shoves it in a neuron. Uh, maybe I'm leaping too far ahead, but this sounds like neuroplasticity could be enhanced simply with a, a, a healthy ECS. 100%. So in this study, what they did is they took neuronal cells and they showed how stimulation of the CB1 leads to a massive increase in neuronal nitric oxide. Now, if you say massive, well, isn't that inflammatory? If you have something that puts it in a cell and puts it to use. It's being used. It's being used. Yeah. It's not accumulating. Yeah. So the CB1 receptor and the NOS protein have been shown to be in close proximity. So anandamides here, CB1 receptors here. Are, I'm, I'm sorry. The nitric oxide synthase stimulation is here. Anandamide is, or the CB1 receptor is here. And when they're together... This is where nitric oxide will help not only the neuron that they live in, but since it can move over and it is nitric oxide, which is a gas, I guess, um, it moves over and it can work in what's called a paracrine function. In other words, it can help its neighbors. So if a cell gets injured and sends a signal and your endocannabinoid is healthy, it'll stimulate NNOS and say, let's get some nitric oxide over here. Help help my friend who's just been injured. Fascinating. Very. And that's the first time that there's been any, and I'm, this is very superficial, but that's the first time I've ever felt like there's context. Who was it that was talking to us about CBD and that they were studying it for MS stuff? Because if you're thinking about how MS functions and the breakdown, a lot of that comes down to the uh, the Schwann cells, yeah. the myelin and sheath breaking myelin down. Myelin sheath. And so you're 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 losing transmission. You're you're leaking. It's there's no insulation on the long nerve. So what if that role of CBD, in part, is that not only is it staving off inflammation, but it's actually allowing other neurons in the area to donate help to one that is distressed. I mean, I, 
we're, we're leaping here. We don't have that in front of us, but I'm curious. That's pretty much what they're saying, though. Yeah. That's pretty much what they're saying, at least in this animal model. That Interesting. So, yeah. So this is where nitric oxide can help the neuron that it's in and the neurons that it's nearby. So because the two receptors are nearby, that's how they actually do this. And then this is the leap for the indirect erectile dysfunction. This kind of surprised me also. They actually act on the, so this is, we're talking about the endocannabinoid system, CB1 receptors mm -hmm. act on the gonadotropin-releasing hormone. Oh. So the endocannabinoid system can help with both the neuro component mm -hmm. of erectile dysfunction as well as the endothelial component. So by releasing gonadotropin-releasing, or by stimulating gonadotropin-releasing hormone, that results in an increased testosterone. Man, that's fantastic. Or estrogen, because it's a gonadotropin releasing hormone. Yeah, yeah. Everything's in balance. Everything is not black and white. It is the yin and yang of the body, and you need enough mm. of everything. That's the beauty of the endocannabinoid system. It's our great balancer. Like you said, it was the it's the traffic cop that says more or less. Yeah. Man, it's, fan it's fascinating. I've never heard this stuff. It's, I was pretty shocked. This is this is what's fun about doing this podcast is that you pose a question and then I'm like, dang it. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not staying up because sleep is super important. If you don't sleep, you screw it up. But I, I will wake up early and go, well, I, I'm not going to work out today. I'm going to go down these rabbit holes. All right. And so, oh, my gosh, there's so much more research out there that we can't even get into today. But like, like this title of this article that was published recently, Cannabidiol Induces Autophagy to Protect neuro Neural Cells from Mitochondrial Dysfunction by Upregulating CERT1 to Inhibit NF-kappa-beta and Notch Pathways. That's the title. So we've talked about all these things, and it sounds super complex, and nobody would probably ever read this, but it's actually a really good read because what they showed is that CBD protects neurons by turning on the CERT1 pathway, which we talked about last episode, yeah. causing autophagy, which is programmed cell death in old and sick cells mm -hmm. while downregulating inflammation through the NF-kappa-beta pathway. Sounds Freakly familiar to how polyphenols do it. Yeah, it really does. I mean, and and you could throw in there the because I think that last week we labeled NF kappa beta as the black hat cowboy. Oh yeah. And then we said that the white hat cowboy would be a Nerf two or NRF two, and um, so it it seems to me like these are simply complements that we are uncovering that could be a far more natural way for your body to determine, look, just give me the tools for the tool chest. I'll figure out where things go. 100%. Another article. It, I got to read this title because <laughs> <laughs> these scientists need a marketing you're always, agent. You're always into titles. That They need a marketing agent. <laughs> Who's going to read this? Nobody. Look, the, the breathe through your butt is all over the news. Yeah, that's a click. That's a clickbait. That's clickbait, and yeah. it's way more than that. These guys put a title that says CBG, CBD, Delta Nine, THC, CBN, CBGA, CBDA, and Delta Nine THCA as antioxidant agents and their inter intervention abilities in antioxidant action. It's important stuff, but no one's going to read that. Bob, do you want all that in there? Yeah, I want it all. We're okay. all out of C's. Yeah, we're all out of C's. All right, so the title is too much 
But basically what they presented was that they reported the antioxidant activity of CBG, CBD, and all those other ones. Um, and they presented data to prove that all the examined cannabinoids named exhibit potent antioxidant activity hmm. in their ability to scavenge, uh, to scavenge free radicals to prevent the oxidative process. So, Very last episode, we were talking about how polyphenols are potent antioxidants. Nobody's really discussing how CBD and THC and CBG are potent antioxidants, but they, the whole study is how it, they actually do it, how they f- scavenge free radicals. I, it's brilliant, honestly, and it just it just lends more credence to why it's important to have a healthy ECS. I mean, I know that C, those are all exogenous that you read off, I think, for the most part, but they, from what I understand of the ECS to date, they really serve complement to your endocannabinoid system. Exactly, and exogenous meaning these are the ones that we take in through our diet yeah. or through smoking or whatever, if, if it's that, but these are the ones that we ingest that actually do that. Yeah. Fascinating. It's totally fascinating. And then, oh my gosh, one last one, because this one blew my mind as I'm sitting there looking at these different articles and you're reading through them. And it's the sad part is, as we're preparing for this, there's only so much we can actually talk about right here. But like, I want to call people while I'm reading. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. This is nuts. Like, I want to call the guy that made that title and be like, here's a deal. Next time you do a paper, let me write the title for you. And it'll be clickbait all the way. His scientific colleagues will just be like, what kind of title is that? And it's just like, oh, CBD causes, you know, decreased baldness. And it's like, but that's not really what it's about. It's about the telomeres and it's about, you know, the the effluvian cells. And he's like, yeah, but this guy said baldness and I just want a Pulitzer. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. You've got to get it to a language that somebody's going to read and want to understand. Yeah, exactly. All right. So. We did a whole episode on Brock Elite. We did. So love Brock Elite. It's on the KVMD Health Store. And Brock Elite is the um, really world's only stable sulforaphane product. We did this with David Roberts and Dr. John Gilday. Wickedly smart people, both of them. That's episode 44. Highly suggest that you go take a look at that. Uh, because of that knowledge that we learned on that show, I was... I came across an interview quite a while ago, actually, with a Dr. Jed Fahey, who, um, what's her name? Rhonda Patrick interviewed. And he was discussing how his research was showing that a, um, there were some similarities between uh, isothionate (laughs) called moringin is similar to sulforaphane. Not quite, but similar. And his reasoning for this is that it's actually... um, it's a tree that's very abundant in subtropical regions, and they should be looking at this for adding it to diets of certain things. Then, remembering that, I came across this article, which led me to start looking um, at various things, and this thing popped up. Anti-inflammatory and antioxidant effects of CBD and moringin and lipopolysaccharide-stimulated macrophages. So lipopolysaccharide is a protein on the outer... Uh, it's, it makes up the outer shell of a bacteria. It's what our bodies react to, and it's also what causes inflammation. So what they did is they looked at how do macrophages, part of our innate immune system, respond to stimulation when they're exposed to these lipopolysaccharides. In other words, when you feed a macrophage a piece of bacteria, what does it do? 
and they wanted to see how it reacts to pro-inflammatory markers like TNF-alpha, interleukin-6, etc. And they wanted to know how exposing the macrophages to CBD in mm. one arm, moringin in one arm, and then what happens if you put both of them together and see what happens? Mm. So remember that CBD has already been shown to have anti-inflammatory, anxiolytic, anti-cancer capabilities. Moringin is under this class of glucosinolates like sulforaphane, and these molecules, these molecules are potent anti-inflammatory regulators as well. In this case, it's called an isothionate moringin from the polyphenol moringa. Okay. You see how it's all yeah. coming together here. All right, so bottom line is the results are pretty cool. The pretreatment with either CBD or moringin resulted in significant decrease in anti-inflammatory and antioxidant effects from CBD and moringin separately with decreases in TNF-alpha, interleukin-6, and all the other inflammatory cytokines that we talk about. But when combined, they showed exponential decrease in inflammatory markers while increasing NRF2, white hat, and good cytokines like interleukin-10. So the combination also enhanced the nuclear intracellular level of antioxidants. So at KBMD, on our store, we had the biohack combo, which is Atrantil, CBD, and broccoli. They did a study on the biohack combo. Yeah, they did. This is crazy. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to mount an anti-inflammatory response. It's that living in the Western world, you're exposed to chronic inflammation. Yeah. Chronic inflammation leads to all these things. So... Lots of articles, lots of rabbit holes. To wrap up, we started with COVID causing erectile dysfunction and affecting the endothelial cells. Then we went to how do you protect that by increasing ENOS and decreasing inflammation with polyphenols. And now we've wrapped up with how CBD can help with this. And ultimately, the combination of sulforaphane, plus the polyphenols and atrantil, plus CBD, according to these studies, likely protect both your brain and your endothelial cells, ultimately protecting your penis. Yeah, ultimately. That's a lot of science to say, don't let COVID take your penis. That is a lot of science to say exactly that. And we probably didn't even need to have use science to say just that one. <laughs> Yeah, probably that one statement alone yeah. should be like a T-shirt. Yeah, we could have just said that and probably called it a day, but no. That honestly, all of that is fascinating. It's informative, but it makes it makes sense. And even though it feels like that, we go to like a a local focal point to, to I don't know. I guess address interest. It just it forced us to find out like you said, about nitric oxide and the different uses. And really, it's it's still universal. It's still universal throughout the entire human body that these are things that we need to be concerned about. And yes, we're talking about a penis today, but if that process is happening there, it's the same thing that can be used to protect your brain, protect your heart, protect the rest of your organ systems to, so that you can do what we were talking about at the very beginning of this show, which is what kind of life would you like to live? How do you get there? So I guess if we were to talk about the mission of this podcast, I would say that, you know, we've always talked about health span, but now I've got this whole new process. You cannot truly develop as an individual if you're being hindered by day to day aspects that prevent you from leading a normal life. Right. So 
it's really hard to say you should meditate when you don't have food on the table. Yeah. It's really hard to say you should go exercise when you have heart disease and you can't, you can't exercise. I mean, there's all these aspects. So our, I guess the goal of the Gut Check Project is to improve the health span. No, 100%. I mean, and yeah, it's, you're right. I like those examples. Telling, uh, telling a homeless person to take in more fruits and vegetables. That's, exactly. That's a weird thing to, yes, they need those, but there are other pressing needs so that, that they'll need to address so that they can. Telling do. a parent that works two jobs through the weekend, that they can't be home and they don't have food to give their kids um, to make sure that their kids don't eat cheap food that's whatever it just it doesn't happen that way no and if we can if we can do something something because maybe maybe people who watch this show or share the show um it's not necessarily that we're talking only to you but if you share it with someone else and you are on your pathway to becoming healthier so that you're more vibrant then maybe that's Kind of where it starts. And I'm, I'm talking about myself, too. I mean, I need to be healthy so that I can help take care of people that I take care of. Same for you and same for anybody who's watching or listening. So you can't help somebody if you can't help yourself. Yeah. And this is a good example that if you follow the show or if you have a question, the, the questions turn into, in my mind, all of this is new to me. If it's not new to you, then you're way ahead of the game. Oh, and we need goodness. you as a guest like, <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah, yesterday. <laughs> but if this is new to you as well, then please like, share. Um, we will always do the, the disclaimer that everything I've talked about today, I am a doctor. Eric uh, is a certified CRNA. But we are not giving medical advice. Well, all we're doing is trying to show that there is some science behind all of this and we are passionate about trying to make people healthier. Ultimately, not just physically healthy, we're not talking about looking good, we want you to feel good and we want you to be mentally healthy as well because all of it is tied in together and that's what we keep doing almost every single time is we're like, wow, every time we wanna separate, we wanna do a three part episode on the penis, it ends up being the body. 100%. And, and the brain. We want you to stay healthy, mostly so that you can stay around long enough to ventilate through your anus. So we're going to get to that one, and, and that <laughs> one's going to be all you. I want to make fun of it. I'm just going to heckle you the whole time. You should. And you have to show me the real science about why it's valid. Okay, that sounds great. I hope that it's in there. But no, I, I'm excited. I think it'll be a good episode. All right. So that's episode 56. Thank y'all so much for hanging with us from 54 to 56 on this particular topic. It's very interesting. Hopefully, it's helpful. We've gotten, um, not surprisingly, lots of feedback on anything discussing erectile dysfunction. Now I know why Pfizer cares so much about 100%. So anyway, thank you all for writing in. And uh, we'll see you episode 57. I don't think it'll be a continuation. Conspiracy theory. Pfizer also came out with the first vaccine, knowing that COVID can cause erectile dysfunction. Is the vaccine only partially? This is not where we need to end this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everybody. See you next time.